You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. wondered what it's been like to have a good host this whole time. Oh, you were. <laughs> wow, that's rude. Right, so oh. this is uh, Your Queer Story by Paul Hobbs and <laughs> Boris Hoffman. Um, he is our new special guest who will be replacing Evan. Uh-huh, yeah. That's whatever. Of course you'd choose another white guy, wouldn't you? Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. All right. Um, welcome to your queer story, a shorter episode, but fun one today. These are some of my favorite because we just get to make fun of people. Yeah, that's all we do. For a half hour. We make fun. Great. There is no script on this episode, so sorry. Um, we did put in some of the references that we use if you want to check them out. But, you know, um, this is part of the I'm not gay, you're gay. Definitely not gay. Never been gay once. Never. Never. I don't even know what it means. What? What's a gay? Uh, Samantha and I got into like a discussion the other night because she's like, "Wasn't gay like a derogatory term?" And I was like, "No, that like we we use that because there were so many derogatory terms." Mm-hmm. And we're like, "But we're really just like a gay crowd." And then it ended up being that's derogatory, just, anyways. Cause yeah, people, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what people do. Mm. It's because like I was telling you, like I went to Six Flags and there was this kid in front of me, and the whole time. He's yelling, no collusion, no collusion, which I don't know why. Like, he's like 13. All of his friends are even asking him, like, what are you talking about? They're I don't like, know. Why are you being so weird? They're like, what are, you, what are you being so weird? Which is sad that this 13-year-old is has been uh, drilled into his head so far much that, like, in a line for a ride at Six Flags, you're yelling, no collusion. Right. And he's like, Trump had no collusion. And, like, like uh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not, like, this kid's 13. I'm minding my business. But then... Um, somebody pulled up Snapchat and he's like, dude, Snapchat's just for homosexuals and R words, which he didn't say R words, but I'm not going to say that word. And, and then I called him a little prick because I couldn't help myself. But I was also really shocked that he used the word homosexual. Like, it's just a weird word when you're 13 to use. If you're like trying to be like, you wouldn't say homosexual, you would say like, bag or something, you, you know you, you that's what you use you are queer at the very least yeah. like i don't know i feel like homosexual today is used by historians like us right or it's used by people who are derogative of homosexuals because they're like oh a homosexual instead of right. just a gay person a lesbian a, you know mm-hmm. transgender person you know like whatever it's just used that way but anyways so homophobia as we know is still alive and well and Snapchat apparently is only for the queers. Uh, Didn't duh. know. I never used Snapchat, so I have no idea. 
I could, wouldn't know how to tell you the first I thing. I still, you know what? Everybody uses Snapchat. I like, I know how to like take a picture on there and send it and like use the filters and stuff. But when I'm trying to like, cause you got to swipe left for certain things, swipe mm-hmm. right. Like there's no like button that says like message. You know how on Facebook there's like the yeah. message button, you know, to go to the message button. You have to like swipe left two screens uh-huh. and like, it just makes no sense to my brain. I'm like, who designed this? Most of social media makes no sense to my brain, as you know. So that's why I'm I'm just lucky you know how to post. So you can make the (laughs) Facebook posts. Literally, Facebook is the only thing I can navigate. I've got Instagram down a little bit, but even that, I forget about it. I love reading Twitter, but I just don't tweet. Or I just retweet. My my thread is just me retweeting what other (laughs) people have said. (laughs) So um, I don't know, which is why I've moved from like 20 followers to 25 followers. There you go. You've you've made it. That's right. I'm moving moving up. up. Yeah. It's like a 25% increase. I know. Yeah. So not bad. I really should be congratulating myself when I think about it. Um, Anyways, but yeah. So international, um, I'm not gay. You're gay international edition because a world listeners month so it happens all over the world everybody has it someone does. in their country that's yeah this way everyone does. i literally found like all different parts of the world um not surprisingly most people are white but we do have a colombian and we have a wow, an okay. african so yeah wherever you go there's homo homophobia is alive and thriving especially from people in our own community yeah exactly a lot, a lot of internalized <laughs> hate, which actually the first person we cover talks a lot about that. And I will say he's halfway a good guy. I still have mixed feelings about these ex-gay people, but I shouldn't say that as I'm kind of an ex-gay, like not ex-gay. Um, what is it? Ex-church. Well, not, yeah, they're ex-church, but they're like people that were like promoted conversion therapy and now they're ex-conversion therapy. I don't know. I think that's just called ex-conversion therapy. They call yeah, them. I don't know. I don't know. They, they would go, go by ex-gay when they were in the yeah. church and now they're an ex-ex-gay. So, I mean, because they promoted a lot of hate and hurt, but I've also promoted a lot of hate and hurt in my life. So yeah, I've got to be a little patient. Mm-hmm. If they actually do a turn If they're around, making the effort to change, yes. Exactly. Not I, if they're just like, well, I don't say that anymore. Yeah, they're like, oh, oopsie, I made a problem. I, you know, oopsie, I messed up. Right. I'm like, no, motherfucker, you promoted conversion therapy. You promoted a lot of harm and mm-hmm. trauma. But this guy has done a lot to kind of make up for it. There you go. In honor of our World Listeners Month, we are going to do another uh, ser- in our series of I'm Not Gay, You're Gay. Today, we bring you five homophobes from around the world who were caught being sodomites. Some of these men have since changed their tone. Others have not, and we'll just continue to pretend. (laughs) A few served prison time, but all were definitely a bunch of homos. So let's talk about these self-hating queers. So our first queer hails from the UK, and our information is taken straight from lgbtreligiousarchives.org. Like I said, this is not a printed script. We took this information. We stole it. Jeremy Marx was born in London, UK in 1952, the oldest of three children. He was brought up in the Anglican Church, a tradition he rejected for a time after witnessing the hypocrisy and spiteful judgment meted out to his parents when they divorced in 1968. Anglicans do not like divorce, even though they were literally created so that Henry VIII could divorce his wife. (laughs) Having discovered that he was gay by the age of 13, it was fairly obvious that the church would be hostile to his homosexuality too. However, he found his faith again at the age of 21, and thanks to the witness of a school friend, he was converted. He spent the next seven years in Guilford Baptist Church. Oh, there you go. Baptist, warning sign, red flag. 
under the exceptional expository Bible teaching ministry of the Reverend J. David Pawson. He was unaware at the time that his ministry was a fundamentalist evangelical ministry, which was anti-gay by doctrinal conviction, though not actually hostile to those whose behavior was under control. How I had no idea. Right. I spent seven years here. I, I ne- ne- never, <laughs> never crossed my mind. Just snuck up on me. I was like, oh, wait a minute. We don't like gays. What, guys? <laughs> Since when? Oh, my God. I've been sucking all of your dicks and you didn't say anything. <laughs> Nobody told me. <laughs> you guys are really So the attraction of this church was perhaps a sense of security and belonging to a Christian fellowship where the preaching of the gospel and commitment to truth, that's such a Baptist phrase, certainly was paramount. In a world where coming to terms with being gay was anathema, was anathema. You can tell when a real reporter writes this. It was strangely affirming to be counted among those who were prepared to crucify their sinful nature, i.e., being gay, for Christ's sake, making the virtue of internalized homophobia. They're very much about dying to self in the Baptist ministry, which mm-hmm. just means like, look, it's okay if you're queer, but you just don't act on it. Right. You know, all these other people are able to do it. You just kick that sin to the side. Mm-hmm. That's you know, right. Put, you that in your... put it in your little pile of temptations. That's right. And that's <laughs> fine. You just leave it there. You walk away from it. You're fine. I have a lot in mind. <laughs> it's just building. It's like it's like the mound of semen from, from Shiva. Patient. And also uh, some, a little cocaine, a little math. <laughs> Um, all the things you need. All the things that, you know, the religious preachers, they're, they're in those temptations, but they've never done them. Never done them. Never no, would. No. Wouldn't dream never. of Never. Are you kidding me? Could not. This this powder on my nose, this is just making That's soda. Jesus. This is Jesus cooking. powder. <laughs> That's Jesus powder. <laughs> so in February of 1988, Marx found, founded Courage UK under the auspices, auspices? <laughs> auspices. Auspices. Of his local church. At, the t- at this time, the New Life Church Haro Courage soon became one of the leading Christian ministries in the UK for gay and lesbian people committed to the ex-gay ideal. So it's a whole group of gay people who are pretending they're not gay. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that nothing ever happened there. Oh, definitely not. No, no bathroom <laughs> blowjobs. During this period, he became president of Exodus International Europe, a coalition of ex-gay ministries. You also forgot to mention that he married his wife, Brent, oh. who was also, I think she was also there for the same reasons. But I'm Yeah, sure. they continued the work together. Yeah. Um, However, after six years of running discipleship houses along the lines of the love and action model, Jeremy became increasingly concerned at the lack of good fruit from his from this form of ministry. And in 1994, the live houses were closed down. <laughs> it's like everybody's going to live together. And what it's going to do is it's just going to make you all not gay. Right. So all of you ex-gays, you're all going to share a room. We're going to expose right? you to so many there's, homos you won't even want to. At least six of you per room. And you've got bunk beds. One on top of another. Yes. Um, and what's going to happen is the temptation is going to show you how powerful and how much you really love God. And mm-hmm. if you can fight through that temptation, that just shows you're one of God's children. You'll get right into heaven. And that's going to that's gonna take that boner that you have right down. You're yep. not going to have it anymore. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not when you see your bunkmate getting in bed naked. Nope. <laughs> but who could have seen that the live houses weren't going to work? Right? I, had oh, not, I thought they would have worked. Oh. So in the next few years, it became manifest. Matt, okay, I don't like this person. He writes too many words. They're, an, they're a reporter. They're supposed to write like right. this. In the next few years, it became manifestly obvious 
to him that the ex-gay process did not work. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Twelve years after Courage was founded in 2000, Jeremy startled the evangelical world by publicly repudiating the ex-gay approach, proclaiming that they did more harm than good, and unequivoc unequivocally embracing a fundamentally gay-affirming approach, which his wife supported also. <laughs> so, you know, she was like, you know what? You go get all the dick you want. I'm going to get all the vagina I want. After recognizing the despair that had resulted for many sincere Christian folk who had tried the ex-gay approach. <laughs> In the early 2000s, Marx would describe himself as early 50s, married for 29 years, two grown children, and in conflict with unwanted homosexuality for most of it, finally seeing the light and learning to love myself. In 2013, Jeremy formally separated from his wife, though it's not clear that they have actually been divorced. His wife has remained open and supportive of Jeremy discovering himself. Yeah, so I read a blog where she's like, he left several times. Like, So this was in 2000 that he first was like, hey, ex-gay therapy doesn't work. And then in 2006, he leaves and then he get, leaves again the next year. Like mm -hmm. He keeps leaving her and then coming back. And she's not like, she's like, yes, he's gay, but they call it mom where it's mixed orientation marriages. So they're like, they still want to make their marriage mm -hmm. work. I don't know, man. Just. Yeah, that's hard because he probably, I mean, it appears that he truly loves her and like. Well, I'm sure he does. How do you like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad, but also I'm like, move on. Like. No, I agree. Like, and. I don't know. That's hard. That's yeah. a hard one. But the good thing about him is as whereas most people just either like when they are out it, they just like shrug it off or they deny it. He has actively traveled right. the world. And like it's not just that he said it was wrong. Like he's traveled the world in support of ending uh, gay conversion therapy. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll give him we'll give him marks for that mm -hmm. marks. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that's good. So our next homo didn't make the turnaround of Jeremy Marks. Javier Sares Pascagaza. Pascaza was, was a leading figure of anti-queer legislation in Colombia. He created the Husband and Wife Foundation, which, which would challenge any same-sex couples attempting to file for legal marriage. He said of the foundation's view of queer individuals, we do not see gays as being a family or married or any integral part of the, of the social fabric, but as needing clinical, psychiatric, medical, and spiritual care, if possible, to help acknowledge their condition so that they can reverse it and recover their gender identity. He later said in an interview, I don't think God created homosexuals. That would be an evil God. Imagine, though, that you have a whole foundation created just to fight someone else's marriage exactly like, oh my god i just filed for my marriage papers i'm so excited actually this company's coming to sue you like, right <laughs> imagine like, <laughs> that's your life your life is just making sure other people can't get married but you're calling it the husband and wife foundation no dude you're just the anti-gay foundation you're right just a, like you're just like just call yourself the hate foundation right. because that's all you are you're not benefiting husband and wives you're not doing anything for right. people that are actually married you're just trying to prevent other people yep as the Husband and Wife Foundation, which apparently is mostly comprised of Javier and his brother, <laughs> two guys, two guys, began to gain national prominence, facts about Javier's past came to light. It turns out he was kicked out of a Jesuit school for being gay. What's Jesuit school? Is that uh, like a Jewish. Jesus? Oh. oh no, it's um, I say Jesus, but it's not uh, Jewish. It's um, it's a like a, it's a different form of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And not simply for being caught in a gay act, but for being openly attracted to other men. A former classmate is the one who broke the story and told reporters. 
I can't stand the hypocrisy that almost always exists behind acts of homophobia. One day, I read that, at a fu- that a foundation had been created against marriage rights for gays, and when I saw the name of Javier Suarez, oh, I did not associate it with that of my former classmate, Pascagaza. We used to call him by his last name because we thought it was funny. It left me... It left me cold, so I decided to call Columbia Diversa and expose the double morality. Suarez has the least authority to point this finger at us. Yeah, and actually several classmates came forward and confirmed this. So, like, this was the one that broke the story, but then, like, they interviewed other classmates, and everyone Mm -hmm. was like, no, he was obviously gay. Like, we all knew he was gay. Right, he sucked my dick. (laughs) Exactly, like, (laughs) I literally remember his mouth on my cock. So I'm pretty positive something was going on. So, like, everybody came, like, just multiple people came forward, and it actually wasn't even so much that he got kicked out for being gay. He got kicked out because he was so openly gay. Because, like, it was, like, everyone knew it, but then eventually it was so open that the the school was like, okay, like, we can ignore it if you're just kind of quiet about it, but because you're so open about it. You're walking through the fucking hallway with your ass out. (laughs) Right. Bye, boy. Hey, who wants to get this? Come on. Oh, my God. You guys just wait. In 10 years, I'm going to be fucking suing all of you for trying to get married. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So when confronted with the information, Javier deflected and focused on the fact that his organization was not religious. Like, people are like, Javier, is it true that you used to be gay? And he's like, my organization is not religious. Right. like, Okay, well, that's not the question, Are you Trump. gay? <laughs> he refused to confirm or deny his homosexuality. But we all know that the loudest homophobes are usually trying to hide something. Mm-hmm. We now move to the land down under and a Catholic priest. What? The when? best. <laughs> Father Ian Dempsey. And this info was pulled from the Weekend Australian. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this, that no Catholic priest has ever been gay. So Never. I feel like this is definitely... Fake news, um, <laughs> because the Catholics would never do anything that would hurt another. I've never heard thing. of a single no. gay Catholic no, in my life. Me neither. Flanked by his parish- parishioners, is- flanked by his parishioners, the senior cla- Catholic clergyman accused in Parliament of raping another priest has denied the allegations and said he may seek to make a statement in the Senate to clear his name. Monsignor Ian Dempsey fronted the media outside his Brighton par- parish and Adelaide's southern suburbs yesterday to deny having raped the leader of the traditional Anglican communion, wait, communion, Archbishop John Hepworth more than 40 years ago. Can you tell I don't know any religious words? I stumbled over every single one that was like related to the church. Jesus. God, Paul, read a Bible. (laughs) I'm aware, wait, down under, down under. I'm aware of John Hemsworth on substantiated allegations against me through an inquiry investigated by the Archbishop, Dempsey replied. I have made it clear in writing to the inquiry that I categorically deny the allegations, which I note are said to relate to events that occurred some 45 years ago, because, like... It doesn't count if you rape them four to five right, years yeah, ago. Absolutely. And have nothing at all to do with underage people. I, I like that he just good. threw that one in there. I, just, <laughs> I added that. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's okay. It was 45 years ago. No, Come on now. Come on. But that doesn't seem to be true. In fact, for over four years, the priest raped 
The priest's rape had been under so-called investigation by the Catholic Church. Archbishop Hepworth finally went to the press and raised allegations on the weekend that he had been raped and sexually abused by Melbourne priest Ronald Pickering and Father John Stockdale, who have both since died, while studying at the seminary in Adelaide, aged 15. He also alleged he had been raped later by another priest, who Senator... Xenophon named in Parliament as Monsignor Monsignor? That's some Australian thing, so I'm guessing oh. for father. Monsignor Dempsey. Sorry, and, Australia. <laughs> in response, the church settled out of court and put a gag order on the victim. Though the allegations first broke in two thousand one, as of two thousand sixteen, Dempsey was still a priest. It's, they first broke in two thousand eleven, but yeah. Oh, two thousand sixteen he was still a priest. Um, um what was I gonna say? Oh, so I bet our uh, Australian listeners came because I remember suddenly you did an Australian accent like 30 episodes ago and I was like, you just pissed off all the Australians. Suddenly they came. Somebody heard that soundbite <laughs> and they shared it around like, listen to this fucking American doing this Australian <laughs> this accent. Fucking idiot. So they're just That's listening the only to make re- fun yeah. of us. Well, you're welcome, Australia. I came back just trying to keep you happy with my shitty accent. It's one of like two accidents I'm allowed to do anyways. Yeah, that's true. And I do them both very horribly, but I'm allowed to do them, and that's what matters. <laughs> so um, the last two people we're going to go through fairly quickly. I'm looking. So um, moving from staying within the Catholic Church, but moving on to Finland, we go to Reverend Marku Koivisto, who was, so I don't have so much that he was actively against homosexuality, but he was part of the Catholic Church. So, I mean, if you're going to work for an institution that's so opposed to uh, queer rights, then we're just going to put you as a homophobe. Absolutely. That's just how it works. And which, by the way, he has a very cherub-like face. Very, he does. It's very gay face. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, like a long time ago, we talked about gay face. Yes, yes, it's, it's a very thing. Much a gay he face. has gay face. Yeah, so he was a bit of an odd guy. He actually got um, expelled from the Catholic Church because he kept teaching heresy, which was just that he didn't agree with the Catholic Church. And then in 2011, Heretics. he was um, he was first arrested because he tried to resuscitate a dead body at the Museum of Science and something in Finland. Um, so, so clearly the body had been dead for decades? Yeah. It, like it was, it was like well, a, I don't know if it was decades, but it was in a research lab. So it had been dead for a little while, and he was trying to resuscitate it. With the power of God? With the power of God. So he left the Catholic Church, and he starts his own religion. Like the, oh, those the, are the yeah. worst. <laughs> you thought the Catholics were crazy. Take my beer. It's like he goes and he tries to start, um, he calls himself the doctor of the... Nokia Revival. The no, he started the Nokia Missio um, as some kind of a Lutheran church. So he leaves the Catholics and he goes and he starts um, the Lutheran church. And um, But it didn't get very far after that. After he breaks away, he broke away from them in 2006, starts his church or whatever in 2007. And then um, he, um, when he was, via, uh, what you call it? Sorry. So he has a really bad year in 2011 because he gets arrested for messing with a dead body. Then they he violated someone else's, I don't know, sexual boundaries. Uh, I don't know what that means, but in Finland, I guess you can't violate someone's sexual boundaries. Well, it says he was convicted of sexual abuse of a 17-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. No, no. I was getting to that. 
Because then I said on September 11, 2011, he resigned after being convicted of sexual abuse of a 17-year-old boy and was sentenced to 15 months in jail and 30 hours of community service, which I guess that's supposed to be on top. And he was also fined for his violation. So just another Catholic priest that has, you know, what you call it, that has raped a boy. Which did you read in that last the story before the guy had been raped by like three Catholic mm-hmm. priests? Dempsey was just the one that was still alive that he yeah. had come after. That's insane. That is insane. All right, and then the last person, where is he at? I got him. I know we're falling off the rails here. Reverend Albert Adule, O D U L E. Udulele. Yes. Um, he was an evangelical pastor who fondled a teenage boy while he slept and touched a young preacher while sharing a hotel bed for just, oh, uh, I said, I said, while sharing a hotel bed for eight months. No, he was jailed for eight months. Mm -hmm. He admitted indecently insulting the boy and sexually insulting the man during a hearing at the magistrate's court, at the Crown Court in London. Um, now he is the founder of Glory House International, a Pentecostal church. Glory House sounds a lot like Glory Hall. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's what it was. Mm -hmm. No homo, right? This is Glory Hole. I mean, I'm sorry, Glory House. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know he wrote Glory Hole and like the reception was like, oh, this guy, Albert, he's always writing things wrong. Let me fix this for him. (laughs) He would frequently share hotel beds while traveling the world with a large entourage of security and pastors. (laughs) And around 2003, he was watching television with a boy over whom he had assumed paternal influence. So that's some fucking Mm -hmm. bullshit. And when the boy fell asleep, he put his hand in his underwear and fondled him. The boy said he did not know what to do and was too scared to move. Um, Adulele's wife was pregnant with their daughters at the time. Their daughter, not daughters. Their daughter. One. The boy was left traumatized and lost interest in academic work before telling his mother about the abuse. And when confronted by the boy's mother in spring last year, Adulele fell to his knees which he's done plenty of times, <laughs> crying and apologizing. Prosecutor Tom Nicholson told the court. <laughs> he said, when he, he just, all right, wow. In two, now, but this wasn't even, this is 2003. So in 2004, yeah. he touched the inner thigh of a pastor while sharing a bed with him and another man at Dartford Bridge Hilton. I don't know. I just get so tired and my hand just falls down. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Ooh, I'm just trying to move around. Just making myself comfortable. <laughs> The man brushed off the advances of Albert, the who was the guiding light and father figure of the church, before being touched again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first time. Oop, that's an accident. That's okay. Mr. Nicholson said a number of church members challenged Adule about his behavior and appealed to a bishop of the church without success. I am shocked that the church didn't do anything. I can't believe it. You know they're always on top of sexual abuse. Always. Literally on top of it. <laughs> Sentencing him, his honor Judge Charles Byers, described the attacks as opportunistic. Judge Byers said, You are a man in a position of trust who is well-respected. People turn to you for advice and no doubt for comfort. He added that Odulele was an intelligent man, not me because I can't read, (laughs) who would have known his behavior was wrong. Yeah, no shit. In a pre-sentencing report, Albert, a trained medical doctor, wait, report... He was he a trained medical doctor? Said, "Oh, he was. Wow. Okay. I am ashamed of my behavior as homosexuality is at odds with my religious beliefs." That's what you're fucking ashamed right? of, you asshole. Not that you were like 
assaulting people left yeah, and right. Yeah, you raped a boy who was under your charge. Like, you were his legal guardian and you raped him. You fondled him. You raped him. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're... That, that's the whole fucking problem with the religious right movement. It's like, they'll get caught raping a child and the, they'll be like, oh, I'm so ashamed that I cheated on my wife. Right. Okay, but also you raped a child. Right. I am extremely distraught and upset at the hurt and distress I have caused the victims. Well, at least he mentioned the victims. Craig Crosby, defending, said um, Adulele, the son of a Nigerian civil servant who came to Britain in 1986, has no previous convictions. So he's never been caught before, so it should, we should oh, yeah. just treat him kindly. Glory Hole International, I mean (laughs) Glory House, sorry, based in East London, claims to have a congregation of 3,000 in branches in Leeds, Birmingham, and Brazil. At its height, Odulele would preach to 140,000 people at a time in in Stadia in Africa and the United States, the prosecution said. He was a major fixture in Christian evangelicalism, and he initially denied the crimes, but later admitted to police that he had been battling with his sexuality for years. Glory Hole International is a registered charity with a turnover of over 2 million marks a year. And this was taken from the independent UK, which I usually don't like the independent, but it was a good article, so we used it. Um, but yes, so those are five homophobes from around the world, people of all backgrounds. and A little here and there. It seems to be a very strong religious undertone. Yeah, uh, yeah we didn't mean it that bit. way, but it's just like how it always is. You got two and a half or one and a half Catholics. You got an evangelical. You got an Anglican. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you church can't, causes a lot of hurt. Can't talk about homophobia without talking about church. Like no. you just... Unfortunately, that that's the only reason it exists. Exactly. And we all know that. But um, we hope that you enjoyed yourselves today. We hope that you um, maybe this Sunday visit your local glory hole and um, have a little fun. That's right. Get on your knees and worship as you should. Maybe you can receive a blessing. Maybe you can give one. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you can give one. But um, we love you guys. We will be back next week with our final installment of World Listeners Month. And we're going down under again so you can hear this bloody accent all episode long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. Our little succulent saffis. And our proud homocrats. Have a sodomy circus. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.